3: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. The only thing
2: better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with
3: Mickey D's breakfast. <laughs>
2: My name is John Barker and there will be no encore. Welcome to episode 103 of the No Encore Music Podcast. Now, I know, I know, I hear you saying to yourself, who is this imposter? What is he doing on my favorite podcast show? And what have they done with the real Dave, whose voice is the drug I really need right now to get me through this day? Well, dear listener, let me tell you something. As I'm sure you know, Dave Hannity... Judge Dave Hannity has been chosen by the Irish Music Hierarchy to help decide who will walk away with the prize for Irish Album of the Year and a cheque for €10,000. That is taking place as we speak in a very plush hotel with fancy cutlery close to Vicker Street. Dave, of course, will be back next week. However, do not fear, because as always, Colin O'Regan is here. As gone. As is Craig Fitzpatrick.
0: The Barkman. What's up? How are you, sir? This, Look <laughs> at yeah, this, Look at this. I know, together. right? We're even
3: back in studio after last week's weird snow oh, that was very bizarre adventure.
0: but it all worked out thanks to eve murray our sonic architect um, yeah dave's <laughs> voice is the drug
2: you need what is it like a sedative maybe <laughs>
0: <laughs> very nice today If
2: this, yeah. this for you guys though is like a free gaff isn't it oh it is absolutely
0: yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: yeah, there are cans yeah. next door I was yeah. very tempted
2: <laughs> yeah
0: stuck in um, yeah dave runs a tight ship he's quite the headmaster
2: I've heard, I've heard uh, <laughs> it's, it's an honour to be guest hosting this episode of no one Core with both of you I, I, I didn't think it was going to happen that after I stupidly referred to Dave and some of the other judges on this year's Choice Music panel as stubborn. (laughs) This,
3: is, is that true? Uh, stubborn. With Dave? I,
0: I'd, say, I'd say Dave would take stubborn. It's usually contrarian he has a problem with. It. I mean,
3: I liked when Dave <laughs> took issue with this and I was like, yeah, but Dave, if you are to try to take this to a court of law and prove with evidence that he's defaming you here, I don't think you've got a hope.
2: <laughs> well, this, <laughs> he, Dave posted his, his surprise and outrage on social media, which is where That's I think That's not Dave, like Dave. Dave. Are you sure? <laughs> offloads most of his outrage on social media. So I, I was wondering if I'd blown my chance to swim with the big fish, but no. obviously not. So. No, no, you're but always alive. welcome. Column, Craig. I judged the choice in 2012, and J.P. won for Ocean of Frequency. Craig, you judged, I think, the following year. Following was
0: year, yeah, it was Deloronto's year. Uh, Little Sparks, a great album, and uh, yeah, it was a privilege to do it. Yeah, it was, was that an year. easy process? Do you know what? I'd gone into it hearing stories of your year and being told to have a stiff drink beforehand. We won't go into any more <laughs> details. I think there was also something that that Barker. Um, <laughs> ah, no, <laughs> uh, come on. No, now. but not, it was actually now. a very kind of convivial atmosphere, and very much enjoyed. I mean, you know, it wasn't all harmonious, but it was good. It was good-natured and fun.
3: Yeah, I had a pretty smooth experience of it as well last year yeah. uh, when Roussangana's family's Let the Dead Bury the Dead came Great out choice. on top. Um, again, yeah, have heard Tory, <laughs> stories from choice years past of it getting a little bit rowdy, but uh, yeah. none of that when I was in the room, thankfully. Maybe yeah. it was my calming influence, I don't know. Maybe
2: it was, maybe it was. I, I'd like to think the same about the year I did it, but obviously that didn't work. <laughs> this, uh, this podcast, lads, obviously, is being recorded the night of the Choice Music Prize, but do you fancy putting a fiver on who you think will win this year? Oh, oh I'll put a
0: Fiverr Combs money on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah Colin, have
2: you
3: got a lend of a fiver? I mean, I've always I fancied Talos's album from pretty so much the moment I. that it okay. dropped. Yeah. Wilderly, so, yeah. yeah, and I yeah, I fancy it. I okay. think I think it'll win. I like Colin's I don't, I don't know enough about some of the judges that you know they may have Favorites elsewhere, but yeah, that would certainly get my vote anyway
0: i I Rick? think personally, yeah, I think actually not to echo come too much, but I think it's the strongest record, and I think he is someone that they th- would think would it would be nice to give a kind of a boost to and put the spotlight on, so yeah, Talos would be a nice one, but we'll we 'll never know
2: <laughs> i 'm going to go for ships okay, ships, okay. my yeah, money's yeah. on ships, I think they 're going to be the the one album that everybody 's going to at the end of it, it, it yeah unifies them. If only there was some way of channeling the music gods and finding a direct line to future Dave Hanredy, we could find out who has actually won this year. It's impossible. Time travel doesn't exist.
1: Hello, my name is Dave Hanredy and there will be a hangover. I feel like death today, but it's all good because it was a great night for Irish music and the Irish music industry at large in Vicar Street for the Choice Music Prize 2018. Deciding the best Irish album of 2017, very, very communal atmosphere, a lot of great people in one room, which was really, really cool. So, yeah, my hangover and my complete and utter scattering to the wind and missing various appointments and so on. Uh, Is totally worth it because fuck it, it's one night of the year and it was great. It was like Christmas for Irish music. So let's get to it. Um, I was a judge this year, as you know, if you listen to the podcast. And thanks, by the way, for listening to it. And thanks also, sorry to John Barker for stepping in for me this week. I'm sure he's done a great job. I can't wait to hear it. He's a lovely, lovely man, a very handsome boy, and a great broadcaster. Please check out his show, Totally Irish, on 98 FM every Sunday. It's excellent. He provides an excellent service. puts a lot of work into it. It's a great show and we're so happy that he came in for for me this week. So as for the night, I mean, look, Cullum last year did a great job of kind of dodging any kind of details because ultimately we have been asked to do that. We're not really allowed to tell you a lot of what went on in the room. And I will adhere to those rules. I will say that it was very fair and democratic the process i found it very fascinating i really enjoyed uh, having opinions kind of change over the course of about three or four hours going in there with things i thought i knew and then kind of learning stuff that i didn't and so on and so forth and things changing over the course of the night like in a very valid and interesting way very productive and healthy discussion i felt so but the one thing i will be honest about um because i was honest about it in the room and i feel like it would be disingenuous of me to not be honest about it on this podcast and for your ears is ships were the winner ships won uh The Choice Prize Album 2018 for Procession. That's their record. And listen, I mean this with absolutely no ill will or any derogatory meaning towards them. But I flat out do not believe that it's the best Irish album of last year. It was not my pick. I don't think it should have won. And I said that in the room to the point where I said it would be irresponsible if it won the choice prize and you know that's is that me being me is that me being a bit hyperbolic perhaps but I just think it's too soon for them I don't think the album stands up I don't think it's as good as the other albums that were in the final kind of records after process of elimination Um, my own personal vote uh, would have gone to New Jackson from night to night I think that should have won I think that would have been a bolder statement I think it's a more daring album I think it's quite a masterwork that reveals itself over time Um, I also had a kind of a horse in the race for james vincent mcmorrow's true care i think that's an excellent album i think it's his best work however i am glad to see that he didn't just win it for the sake of him winning it as some kind of lifetime achievement thing because he has been nominated four times now and has not won Uh, i think it's a fabulous record though as for ships to go back to the album i think it's a good album i really do i think it's a very good album in places and at its best it kind of you know almost hits daft punk level of heights and i think that simon and sorka the the duo behind ships are a very interesting story and you know they're kind of music heads they're producers who became unlikely pop stars but on like as a pop album i just don't think that the songs are memorable enough on their own i think the hooks aren't quite there i think there's so much potential on that album and i think it's a very pleasant listen but ultimately i don't know if it does better what planet parades album did last year mercury which wasn't nominated i mean i love that kind of style of music and they have something for sure and i think it's very important that the takeaway here is that i'm in no way disparaging them because look it's a great story and they seem cool and people were very very happy in vicar street when 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 their name was read out like there was a really warm atmosphere in the air there's lots of people at the judging table who kind of felt that it was making a statement not dissimilar to reese and gana last year like this is where ireland is right now and it's great to champion this kind of an act and it's a very accessible thing and it speaks to Ireland in twenty eighteen, like you know, it's not just your fucking Bog Standard singer songwriter, and I like, look I'm I'm in support of all of that. I really am. I think that's cool. I just don't think this album is strong enough. I just don't think it is. I really don't think it is, and I and I wonder what will happen over time. I wonder how well it will hold up as a winner of this award. And if that could be me being completely pessimistic, and, you know, who knows, in the next five weeks, maybe they'll sign some massive deal, and they'll be gigantic, and then their next album will be incredible, and they'll be one of the biggest acts this country has ever seen, and more fucking power to them if it happens, but I, for me, personally, I just, and professionally, I guess, I just don't hear it, man, I just don't, and yeah, so there you go, I mean, that's my takeaway on it, and go check it out, see what you think, all that kind of stuff, but... I really would have loved to have heard New Jackson's name called out. I think that's a fabulous album that really, really rewards you over time. It rewards patience. It's a challenging record, but it's fucking brilliant. It really, really is. Anyway, I'm rambling on now. And uh, yeah, unlike Cullen last year, I probably said too much. So back to the show. And uh, thanks again for, for listening. And, you know, there will be no encore. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs>
2: That was weird. What just happened there? I've, I feel like I've blacked uh, out. don't know, yeah. <laughs> and what more, what more of none <laughs> of the information <laughs> actually sank in. So.
3: <laughs>
2: okay, let's get our teeth into some of the main news yeah. stories for this week, shall we? Shall we start with the announcement this week that the wonderful music publication that we all love, State.ie, is going to cease publishing and, I guess the news as well which is quite relevant to that that iconic British music magazine Enemy is due to cease publication in print after 66 years in particular I guess for all of us here uh, sitting around the table it's a sad week for Irish music journalism
0: Yeah definitely Uh, another one kind of bites the dust and Stace did some great work Um, they felt like they always selected the right writers in terms of they felt trustworthy Um, it was somewhere where you'd go and you'd know okay this is a good opinion and just like a huge amount of passion went into it both in terms of the creative stuff that was put out but clearly behind the scenes it was just you know a real struggle I mean not even just towards the end but keeping an enterprise like this afloat for so long is a big achievement
3: well that's exactly and especially when you consider that like I think they came into being what like 10 years ago pretty much yeah. the roughest time you could oh, ever yeah. think of starting an enterprise yeah. in this country so the fact that it did actually manage a decade is just down to like pure grit and determination and what was very clearly a passion project a pure yeah. love
2: for music wasn't it yeah absolutely yeah. yeah
3: and and a lot of people giving their their time and their talent um, I guess it, it's just a, a reminder, as if any of us needed it, uh, working in the industry that we do, that that stuff doesn't always pay the bills, I guess, right?
0: Yeah, very much so. And it just feels like the kind of platforms for getting new Irish music out there and you know having a proper conversation about it, and you know, a, a properly
3: curated, trustworthy place to go is fewer and fewer and fewer. And fewer well, um, I think they're just diversifying in a way, really, aren't think- they? Well, you know, I mean, you even look at, you know, back at these early days of state and it was Niall Byrne that they brought in. Obviously he's provided his own fantastic platform that's there now in the shape of Nialler or Nine and I mean, if you're to be completely ruthless about it, there's probably only so much room and 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 so many different places that can actually coexist. But you
2: would like if there was more than just one voice. Oh, one of course. Voice, yeah. you know? yeah. And that's why State w- was so good, because nine obviously is quite influential when he, when he uh, plugs certain particular Irish bands. But obviously there's a lot of acts that don't get plugged on his particular website. What I loved about State was that it was always a place where you could go to find... Acts that were maybe a little bit on the fringe that you maybe wouldn't have heard about um, on on other websites or definitely in, in mainstream media. Um, and I, you were talking, Colin, there about when they came in 2008. It was like Hot Press was probably the only. Am I allowed to say Hot Press? Yeah. Hot Press was was probably. But if you
3: truly want to replace Dave, you might you know, have, have to, to throw in a few uh, barbed comments, as yeah. you do.
2: Dave said he sent me a text saying you have to mention Hot Press at least ten times. Um, <laughs> but it, it was, I mean, Hot Press as you know, for a lot of people, is a little bit bland. It, it still is now, but it certainly was back. Since then. I left, oh, oh, <laughs> yeah. But it, it always tried to be a little bit edgy without ever pulling in off and State just was cool and edgy without even having to try and I loved some of the the journalists that, that worked with them over the years and the photography was at such a high level and you can't always say that about certain music websites that's a good I'm show I'm not going to
0: mention yeah the likes of Sean Conroy friend of the show just some amazing shots yeah and their live kind of reviews coupled with their galleries that was yeah something they really excelled at I think
3: yeah I mean it's funny I never wrote for a state as it happens but I yeah. know that a ton of the people that we've had on the show uh, Zara yeah, stuff there. Dave, Dave Higgins, Higgins long term uh, film editor there, yeah actually. great film section yeah, um, yeah so so like they, they did add an awful lot like i say i mean you know it, it's another reminder on a, on a week where everyone internationally will probably be talking about nme that um yeah you know <sighs> Life is tough yeah. for the for for these sorts of ventures, though it really, really is. You Life know? is tough in general, guys. It, it, Not to bring it all down, it, but it, it is. It's absolutely true. But I think, especially when it comes to kind of like <laughs> publishing and broadcasting, and as well like given the music industry as a whole, I think it's happening yeah. where like there's almost like this kind of Moore's law in effect now, where like the rules are changing every eighteen months or so, and so even a even a venture that made sense. Ten years ago, five years ago, whatever. Like it, it the road can have much. The road can be pulled all. out very quickly. Yeah. Like
0: well, I think it's interesting when you kind of mention Niall are coming from that. Maybe it's becoming more about there's individual voices that have a lot of cachet, but necessarily the brands aren't there. The kind of big organisations So it's becoming more about you know trusted personalities as opposed to these kind of you know magazines or you know online platforms. I guess. But yeah. again,
2: the problem with that is, as I said a few moments ago, is that you're you're kind of catering to one voice. Yeah, very much so, so. everybody's kind of been influenced by, not necessarily one voice, I'm not saying just an island nine, but uh, certain individuals. And you'd be fair, if, there, if it was more of a collective thing, I think. States will continue though, to serve uh, or to exist as an archive. So at least we've got 10 years of stuff to look back on if we want to go online. But the other news, as I mentioned earlier on, is Enemy. I don't think it's any real surprise at all to anybody. I didn't even think they were still in print, but Enemy has ceased to exist as a print publication. Uh, As it was well known, everybody knew that the paper had been losing money for years and years. I guess the surprise is that they've managed to survive for for so long.
3: Yeah, I mean, like three years ago, they moved to Free Sheet and... You know, it's what a, a move it's, it was. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing that the whole idea of handing it out for free in train stations didn't save it, isn't it? Um, I mean, I'm sure the accountants involved and business analysts and whatnot probably had their reasons. But, like, strictly speaking from a consumer's point of view, like, that just looked like devaluing it from where it go, didn't it?
0: Yeah. I mean, obviously, this is with no disrespect to state this is the far bigger news just because of the institution that the enemy was in, you know, 66 years. But actually... It's um, loss now. Will be less felt because it really did limp to a close. It was doing very little of worthwhile journalism. It was a dead fish years it ago. It really was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I,
2: Colin, I, I don't know if if you were an avid reader of of Enemy, maybe in the in the nineties. Not
3: avid, but I definitely have read it on occasion, and, mm-hmm. and I think especially, I guess, proving certain part of a point here I would be very much aware of it yeah. in a way way that I don't think you would be aware of just about any publication yeah. now
0: I think it was always it was maybe a rite of passage or kind of teen thing yeah. <laughs> people seem to stop reading it whatever generation they were at about 18 like my my kind of period was when they were reporting on like Peter Daugherty you know burgling his bandmates flats <laughs> yeah. every week yeah. it became a bit tabloidy and I had that whole kind of you know Brit rock or new wave of Brit rock thing going on my, that's a full decade ago now More. my
2: memory of it is is a few years before that so growing up in the 90s buying an enemy was was something that if you're into music that's what you did uh you, know, you, you bought it to read about the latest Blur and Oasis scandal, yeah. I suppose. You, you you bought it every week to just to see, are the Stone Rose is actually going to be coming back at all? And, you know, whatever, uh, Britpop bands were, were quite popular at the time. But the magazine thrived on big British acts, hmm. you know, so they were the leaders in creating and promoting a British music scene. Even going back to the 70s and 80s with, you know, a lot of their stories would have been based around Joy Division and the Smiths. But they were breaking news when it came to this British music scene that just doesn't exist anymore so with, with the lack of a strong British music scene as in British music bands yeah, you know they've kind of had nothing really to report on so they feed off what every other music website is reporting
3: well our friend George Morhan uh, voice and opinion yesterday that you know kind of looking back to something we discussed a few months ago which was uh, a voice article which was talking to kind of like enemy journalists from around about the early 2000s yeah they proudly sort of magicked an indie scene out of thin air basically and george said that maybe people are just tired of having that sort of fabricated nonsense pushed on them maybe there's a point to that but i would also say that the enemy, like, so doggedly sort of... Um, like, I never saw any publication anywhere use the phrase, the saviours of <laughs> X, <laughs> more than enemy did, yeah. which obviously implicitly is contributing to that nonsensical death of guitar music and death of British rock. Yeah. So, really, they were kind of just hurting themselves in doing that because, you know, they'd made that their core constituency. They absolutely, steadfastly stuck with that. And then they seem to do their best to undermine themselves. Yeah,
0: I think their last hurrah really was around that period when there was a resurgence of kind of guitar music. But just going, as you say, all in with that just left them with no ground. And they should have been a bit wiser and maybe, you know, the serious muso thing might have been a place they could have gone digitally. You look at the likes of the Quietus and Drown and Sound that are still doing quite well, and that should have been the enemy's territory. But now they just kind of became sadly a bit of a laughing stock, which is a shame because you know decades of, of great stuff.
3: Yeah, you have to give a little bit of credit to their absolutely incredible um, press release that they sent out to sum up kind of what they were doing uh, from this point onwards. And I think they were like an enemy expanding its digital first approach. And it was like, that's the most euphemistic way to say we've got to quit our print business
0: <laughs> yeah. and also the website isn't any great shakes i mean there's a running joke online of like the headlines that come up with these days just a few examples this kasabian performance was so loud that it shattered a wine glass that was a full story <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> another one leem gallagher's sons were at a shame gig last night <laughs> oh my God. and the the biggest one was this was the detonell. i think MS yeah, okay. to stop selling 250 pound cauliflower steaks following complaints yeah and, like really <laughs> the enemy is doing those stories uh just yeah a sad end they
3: it, will continue as a website. It should great. be pointed out. Yeah.
0: But and
2: if you read any, any reports, sorry Colm, any reports, it, it, it seems, if you read anything online about this enemy news, it seems like it's over. You know, hmm. this is the end of enemy, and there's all these, there was a great article in today's Guardian about, you know, it, it kind of ran through the history of enemy, as if the, you know, they had announced this week that it's going to close yeah. forever, but it is existing uh, online as a website. It is. Albeit a shit website. Yeah, this is a shit website.
3: Yeah. And what's more, they're now into that really dangerous territory where they basically have magazine publishers running an online-only business. Mm. So, you know, if they like, if they are to survive, it's going to have to be in full multimedia thing. And whether you've got somebody who specializes in producing print to run that. To run that.
2: Yeah. If they have the expertise. It doesn't a, look great, no, does it? no. no okay
3: uh not looking amazing for vince staples if he was planning (laughs) an early retirement he released a gofundme video seeking two million to fund his lifestyle sounded a little bit like this
0: we've got a lot of complaints about our recent show performances energy on stage um, production choice i think one person said it sounds like we're rapping on robot video game beats we would like to apologize for that we would like to give you an alternative On GoFundMe.com, you can decide to donate to the cause of $2 million, which will allow me to shut the fuck up forever, and you will never hear from me again. No songs, no interviews, no anything. If not, you can choose to let me do what the fuck I want to do when I want to do it. Get off of my dick or fund my lifestyle. The choice is yours. Either way, we appreciate you.
3: Uh, Yeah, so moving to Palmdale, buying a Honda, a year's supply of soups for his homies locked down, and buying a puppy are his plans. (laughs) It's currently raised $1,355. Has it really? it's gone up about 70 bucks since I checked about eight hours ago. (laughs) (laughs) Still a way (laughs) off his two million goal. Yeah, <laughs> what
0: a great
2: video that is, though. I love, I love that mantra: "Get off of my dick or fund my lifestyle." I can just imagine kids all over America telling their parents and teachers this: "Get off my dick or fund my lifestyle." The choice is yours. Yeah,
0: well, this is just another part of kind of Vince's long-running "I hate the internet and everyone on it" campaign. I think um, he's not a f- hes very cynical about like just kind of social media and stuff online. He's talked before about how. He's just used social media because he knows people are stupid, so I can manipulate them. I'll just send out a few tweets, and then yeah, I'll do a gig every now and then, and that'll just be my career. Yeah, now Um, it should be said that this is the extreme version of that. Since disappeared,
3: there is a listing for a new song called "Get the Fuck Off My Dick." So you're in luck, man! (laughs) Excellent. Uh, Apparently, dropping uh, well by the time this podcast comes out uh, later tonight, as we're speaking. So uh, yeah, hopefully we'll have a new Vince Staples song to enjoy and uh, not his premature
2: retirement.
3: <laughs> <laughs> um, elsewhere in strange rap stories, uh, old Dirty Bastard um, passed away in 2004. Yeah. Yes, now. now is getting his own cryptocurrency.
0: Yeah, Dirty Coin, of course. Um, yeah,
3: which, uh, by the way, is already like a porn-themed Bitcoin. Oh, is it? Yeah, is it? used for, be. like, escort services and shit like that. So, a quick bit of a Google, lads, before you name anything. <laughs> Very <laughs> valuable.
0: Well, it's interesting because he's not the first Wu member, you know, deceased mm. though he might be, to get involved with this kind of thing. Ghostface Killer has his own. And, on um, you know, related coin. yeah, related to what you just said, maybe that might have been taken. Well, not, apparently not,
3: no. Crypto rules everything around me, which is quite good. But, like, Dave Chappelle had a sketch for, like, Wu-Tang Bank.
0: Yeah.
3: And... It's happening. It's actually happening. It was far more prescient than we could ever have imagined. If any
0: kind of rap group was going to go into, like, financing, it was going to be the woo, though, wasn't it?
3: Oh, always. Clearly. Yeah. I, mean,
0: I would have expected RZA would lead the way, but um, I'm still, like, I remember you asking me, uh, like, maybe this time last year when I was it in full-on. No, it was good bit before. Was that, a, but yeah. Okay, maybe a year and a half ago when I was in full-on business journalist mode to explain cryptocurrencies to you. And I made a kind of fist at it, but do you know what? It's it still is, very would, confusing. Would you me. be able to
2: explain it to me? No, I certainly
0: would not. <laughs> no, a year and you and still no, no. there? Yeah. Uh,
2: in, in in other news, this this must be the the biggest news of the week. There are strong rumors that Fred Durst of Limp Bizkit is going to be directing a new film, starring the one and only John Travolta. The film is going to be called Moose. It features Travolta as the title character, but it's based. On uh, a real-life incident, I guess that happened with Fred Durst when he was being stalked by a particular person who was trying to destroy his life. Mm. Um, It's currently rolling in Alabama.
0: Imagine you get to such a low ebb in your own life that you're stalking Fred Durst. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean, he's got previous. He's directed a few films. I've checked the kind of notice, yeah, yeah, Rotten Tomato scores, not. Okay, uh, we're talking about the 40% to 50% range, but
2: that's not as bad as I thought. There was a Jesse Eisenberg Mm. movie about 10
0: years ago. Yeah, before he kind of crossed over. But But even
2: the fact that John Travolta wants to work with him.
0: Are you suggesting John Travolta's no longer making good decisions?
3: (laughs) 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 It should be said, the one thing as well is that, like, it's been so long since Fred Durst was really a thing. I mean, I know for us, obviously, it's just like, oh, yeah, Fred Durst. But, like, that was pretty short-lived. So, like... Will people now, you know, just come to accept Fred Durst, the director, the, the director with yeah. no idea of, like, you know, will we be sitting there like the people who remember Ricky Gervais from Siona Dancing, just being like, oh, he did something before this, you know? <laughs> I can't <laughs> Calling out yeah. clips like you do of <laughs> Brian Cox playing keyboards in
0: D-Ream. <laughs>
3: yeah, I know. I
0: can't really see Fred Durst, like, rocking up to the Oscars anytime soon. Like black baseball cap. In his formal know. baseball cap. <laughs>
3: yeah. yeah, like Hulk Hogan in his court bandana. Um,
0: but he's diversifying, which is clearly important. So I expect him to come out with a <laughs> cryptocurrency yeah, quite Yeah, yeah. yeah
3: and, and he won't have to fold like the NME. <laughs> yeah, very
0: much so. Basically, what we're learning is there's no money in music anymore, which is something the Grizzly Bear have told us um, this week as well. Specifically, no value put on live music, which is the one area you would assume yeah, get, is where yeah. you can make a bit of coin. <laughs> that was the only
3: one we were relying on exactly. at this stage, right? Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. what No Encore was relying
2: on. And even even for like a band like Grizzly Bear, who are not like lower tier at all, they're actually more popular right now than than they ever have been. Particularly after the release of "Is It Painted Runes, I think they yeah. released yeah, last year. Yeah, fantastic record. So they're amazing record. So they're on tour in Australia. They're selling out. Like these big arenas, these big venues, and Ed Rost has, has apparently said that we're about to enter a live music drought. They just can't make any money. Yeah, and he said,
0: "Come on!" He's saying, despite huge huge crowds down under, we're basically losing money. And actually, when you kind of read a statement, he's kind of more talking about how, well, this is the one channel we've got left, so everything <laughs> around it means that it's actually still not even really worth it. Yeah. Um, so he says yeah nobody cherishes or puts any value into the craft that goes into songwriting or studying music yes pop stars write hits yay they also get branding deals and corp gigs but when you're dealing with a dying industry and you actually care about a real live show and you aren't a star there's not much you can do I could go on forever but I won't enjoy it while it lasts I think we're about to as you say enter a live music drought which is kind of very dire why is he giving
2: out though come on man you're in one of the coolest bands around like don't be giving out
3: (laughs) yeah I mean like The other thing as well is that, like I say, I mean, you know, it does seem to be the one area which is going okay. I mean, if there's going to be a live music drought, (laughs) then what exactly are we going to get? Because there's surely no way that they're going to, like make the sacrifice of going into studio and then not go on tour afterwards to make the money back. Yeah, like,
0: is the implication that promoters and, you know, the kind of mega corps that now run all our live music are kind of cheating artists out of their fair share? I mean, we've seen some kind of people pop up before with just, well, actually, when you remove all my expenses, I get a very small fee. Mm, might yeah. be the case.
2: Maybe that's what he's alluding to. But S- um, some, some of the highest grossing acts of last year include you 2 who were the, the highest earners for the Joshua Tree Tour, Coldplay, Guns right. N' Roses, Red Hot Chili Peppers, oh, the and chilies. the Mode, come on, chilies, and the <laughs> Mode, but all of whom have like a huge, huge fan base and oh, a yeah. large catalogue of hits, and they can probably charge high ticket prices. So, But it, it's, it's, quite, uh, it's quite interesting to think that even somebody at gris, a, a Grizzly Bears level isn't able to make a dime out of this.
3: I mean, Craig does raise an interesting point in terms of promoters. It was about and, time and I so did. On, so on. Yeah, I know you were jealous this stage. Is it? But no, but you know, in in the way that people have taken very different approaches towards, for instance, funding studio time at this stage, whether it's you know uh, fund me's before the album comes out in itself, yeah. whether it's ways in which to promote the album and which to distribute and so on and so forth. Maybe there's going to be a time now where people are going to have to think of different ways to set up a tour. Yeah. That you're going to have to actually fund it yourself. That you're going to have to book it in different ways, and and you know reward people in different ways, different price structures, so on and so mm. forth. Because obviously, it's going to be under a lot of the same sorts of pressures. Basically, it it just kind of get the can gets kicked down the road, so to speak. Yeah.
0: Well, John, I mean, like on your show, which is Sunday nights nine to eleven. Oh, it's um, Sunday nights FM. nine to eleven. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you yeah. talk to a lot ninety-eight FM. Yeah. Right? Yes. Just you, in case, you talk to a lot of kind of. Irish artists that are obviously struggling and we've interviewed them before and it's kind of, it's tough out there. Are you very much, just from your comments there on Grizzly Bear, the tough love kind of person? It's like, just pull yourself together. Stop (laughs) complaining and just do the gigs and make it happen. I think you have to be because,
2: you do because a lot of the acts are are quite young and and inexperienced and like we've got so many acts that, you know, they've probably only released an EP or two Mm. um, and don't know maybe about the realities of the Irish music business and a lot of them are young and, naive and they have their dreams so yeah. it, it is only right to kind of squash those dreams as <laughs> as quickly as possible <laughs> yeah, and, no, and slap them in the face. With it's
3: a, bit a of mercy a, really, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bit I, of I, I think as well though like even some people who are starting out within the industry maybe have certain delusions as to just how much money awaits even when you reach a certain levels you know yeah. like I, I mean it's come up in conversations with the choice prize on occasion where okay you know if you two are nominated fair enough you can kind of dismiss that. But people are like, you know, oh, but like, you know, would he really need the money? And it's like, you'd be surprised, man. You really would. I interviewed
2: uh, Robert John Ardiff, who is one of the main, main uh, singers in Come On Live Long. Mm. And I was asking him like, who who do you think is going to win? And he said, yeah, Fionn Regan I think has got a good chance. And Then he's like, yeah, but he probably doesn't need the money. And I was thinking, <laughs> yeah, Fionn Regan most definitely needs the yes, ten grand yeah, as I do all so. the rest of the. Yeah, maybe James Vincent McMorrow is probably the only one in there on that on that uh, short list for this year's Choice Music Prize that is making money. And even then, yeah, he's had a and few even ad placements
3: and things, yeah, which just helps. But yeah. yeah, well, true. But I mean, he's not exactly you know flying out from the show on the Gulf. Oh no, it's like paying anything, the like, paying like, the bills. Like yeah, just yeah, barely. Yeah, not that we know of. I know. Yeah. All right, so um that just about does it for the news. Actually, just one very quick update that broke today. Uh, just news. Just because we've been following the story the whole way, we might as well. The dude who booked the fire yes. Festival, for Ireland, yeah, um, pled guilty in court in New York to two charges of wire fraud, I believe, uh, facing, and to be honest, now, I've seen conflicting reports here, anything, anything between 10 and 40 years in jail, and obviously astronomical fines attached as well. 40 years in jail. <laughs> it turns out that the whole, let's just do it and be, be legends idea it hasn't worked out very well for him Never trust a marketing guy Yeah No <laughs> word on whether Ja Rule's gonna get in trouble For this though Which is what I really want to know yeah, Ja Rule's always alright You know Comes out of a clean I think Well he's not Like he, he was in jail a few years ago Was he? Yeah I know I know this because It's one of my favourite points of trivia That uh, Ja Rule is a, a Leap year baby um, which, so he's like how four. How would you know that? Because it, it's just those weird little pieces of trivia, really, isn't it? Um, he I, I mean, four. Like, he's about what? He's now about <laughs> ten. Ten, ten. Yeah. 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 And I know this because he spent his ninth birthday in jail. I thought it was very cruel. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Chakro.
2: <laughs> oh, no. Let's move on, on, on to the on. album on. of the week. And, um, it, yeah. It, Craig, if I said to you the words American Utopia, what springs to mind?
0: Uh, David Byrne
2: <laughs> oh my god that's incredible how did that's incredible American Utopia is David Byrne's first release in 2012 love this giant with the amazing St. Vincent are we all fans of St. Vincent yeah. yeah yeah I mean are, we, it's, it's
0: a controversial thing because we are a bit harsh on the last album but yes we're fans yeah. of St. Vincent in general are yeah. we fans of David Byrne
2: before we get into this yes David
3: yeah, Byrne. absolutely oh, David, yeah. well in Who fact isn't? before we get into it at all let's take a quick listen yeah <laughs>
0: When there's a knock at the door and that's what we're doing it for well That's when
1: I got your message And that's when I sing this song now That's when he says it's over that's when my life is
0: in your hands now That's when I
3: call you up That's when my uh, yeah, that's Yeah, this is that one of the singles from American Utopia um, made alongside Daniel Lopatin, one of tricks point never, better known as. Great
0: pronunciation there. Now, of course, there yeah.
3: was a bit of uh, controversy during the week uh, when the issue of collaborators came up here, because da- David Byrne released uh, a very nice, very yeah. touching tribute to the 25 people who had contributed to the album. <laughs> 25 men, yeah, not a single female among them. I think it was the collage of photos of them that were kind of tipped it over the edge. Yeah, yeah, it looked like some really, really tone-deaf Benetton ad. <laughs> um,
2: <laughs>
0: it wasn't a great move was it? No no. and David Byrne has acknowledged it himself and come out and basically said it was ridiculous he says I didn't think I was that kind of guy apparently I am kind of and it does seem like he was just like I don't know what happened there Um, and certainly his track record I mean I don't think he's the type of person we should all pile on because he's such a
2: like, how do you not at some point in your, in the recording process go, wait a minute, there's no female musicians yeah, If it here. was
0: like five people you worked with, or if it was just yeah. him and Eno, you'd be like, there's no issue here. But, 25, no issue, but 25 collaborators 25. is a bit odd. Like.
3: And, <laughs> and what's more, I mean, this is something that, like, we see more and more that people are really getting kind of, like, I won't say nitpicky about but people are paying attention to this. Yeah. Like, this is the third time in four weeks i think that this has sort of been a feature of an album where like on the black panther soundtrack people were saying that kendrick hadn't had enough uh african musicians and african music and then we had reggie snow and people were saying like you know there aren't irish musicians on this and he's not using an irish accent and blah 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 and now we've got david byrne and obviously a fairly major issue with his chosen collaborators and it's like Mm. yeah you know you're gonna actually have to put in the time to think about these things
2: yeah, but then you're you're talking about tokenism, and we can't go down that ro- sure. that road either. But I mean, I think the David Byrne thing is, is very different to those two other examples because I mean, twenty five male musicians, and when you think of of his his previous uh, musical career and who who he's collaborated with, yeah. how I mean, he must know so many incredible female musicians. Well, going that, all the way that, back
3: to Tina Wayne with them yeah, Talking Heads, you know? yeah. like yeah. But
2: I, I I thought his statement was a bit weird when he said this lack of representation is something that is problematic and widespread in our industry. And I'm only contributing to it even more.
0: Yeah. You know? It's, but I really do think it's just that weird, like, he just, it just didn't click with him or like, oh, circumstances oh, yeah, no, no, happened. No, no, no. I, like,
3: I do believe that it's a very, very strange oversight. Although, um, again, we, like, and we, like, we say this so often, like, how many people did this have to go through that nobody was like eh, have you noticed something <laughs> funny <laughs> here you know something weird. Yeah, yeah. anyway we yeah. do have the album that came out as a result of it uh, 10 tracks 35 minutes but probably a more densely packed 35 minutes than you would typically get yeah mm.
0: and I mean you know he's talked about this being a real patchwork in terms of the collaborators and there's a lot going on um, none of which is female as we've never realised <laughs> but I think the you know to you know focus on the work itself it's intensely David Byrne. I'm not hearing a lot of other people. I'm hearing lots of various stages of his career. But to have him kind of back doing a solo thing, I know he's been working consistently and he's been collaborating with the likes of Annie Clark, but first solo record in a long time. And for me, I mean, I, I feel like this is one of his best efforts in a solo, guys.
2: Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: it's a very interesting take. We've talked about it before and his concept behind it. Um, It was tied to kind of... um. Like a live setup that you had, yeah, a kind It's a of, full it's a visual multimedia, multimedia project, thing. isn't yeah. it?
3: Called Reasons to Be Cheerful, and it does apparently exactly what it says on the tin. Yeah, and
0: he was saying it's not a kind of look at a proper utopia. It's very much an aspirational thing. It's very much realizing the shit we're in at the moment and what we're actually trying to get to as people and stripping back what even that means as a concept
2: I, I think sorry Craig I think you see that on every day is a miracle yeah uh, which you were probably just about to reference there were you this, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's
0: a run kind of around there where it gets very into the absurd and yeah
2: yeah but it sums up his his philosophy yeah. which is usually hugely optimistic with a huge dollop of, of realism the chorus goes every day is a miracle every day is an unpaid bill love that line you've yeah. got to sing for your supper love one another I love the way he throws it Yeah, but anyway, just loving it. Yeah, no, life is shit, but loving it. There's
3: definitely like I mean, throughout the album, there is kind of like you know, dragging optimism out of negativity, or sometimes out of the absurd. Because yeah, the verses in that song are like, "What's life like through the eyes of a chicken?" Yeah, and what about a cockroach? Yeah, yeah. And uh, for me, in, in in one way, it kind of sums up what this album does pretty well. In that you can either like. Get caught up in each example and be like, "Well, that's quite quite interesting, isn't it?" And disappear down as some sort of Kierkegaardian rabbit hole of subjectivity, like, or just let it all wash over and you go. Oh yeah, it's just about points of view, isn't it? But either way, it's effective.
2: Yeah, it's yeah. all quite thought-provoking.
3: It is that, like, it reminds me, that song in particular, of a
0: kind of road to nowhere thing where it is very much a cheery death march, yeah. <laughs> almost. But by the time you get onto the next song where it's like dog's mind, we're very much into the absurd. And I think that's maybe a point where if you're not a David Byrne fan, or if you haven't quite connected with his worldview previously, you might kind of jump off at this point. I was about to say <laughs> yeah. there's
3: definitely moments that are at least risking people going like what is this lunatic yeah. on about
0: but i think he's one of the few people that totally pulls it off well, i was it also,
3: also going to say that like surely at this point in his career i think he's got the reputation and the track record where people aren't going to do that i, I, I like there's no doubt if this was some newcomer you'd be like who is this bloke and what is he on about yeah. but that's not obviously going to be the case here
2: Yeah, I think this is a really accessible album, though, at the same time. I think it's um, having Brian Eno uh, co-produce it really helps. The, the opening song, I mean if, if, going back to what you were saying there Colm, if you didn't really know too much about David Burner's music, you'll hear the, the, the opening song which is called "I Dance Like This. It starts off as a really kind of nice <laughs> piano ballad and then it all goes a little bit left field and you kind of go, oh yeah, Brian Eno's involved with this <laughs> um, and he's he's co-produced the album. One, one of the things I, I love about uh, the album and a lot of his solo work is that you you quite often hear elements of of Talking Heads in his in his music, but it still right. feels fresh and new. It's it's not like he's just regurgitating all the you know the, the, these old formulas that he has. Uh, I I was given. I I have to say I I I was a. Uh, I wasn't a big fan of Talking Heads when I was growing up. I thought it was real arty-farty shite and I was into my guitar music. And it was only then when I got into my 20s I was like, oh man, I've I've, I've, I've absolutely been completely wrong. I got a copy of Fear of Music and Remain in Light and I thought, but the, well, these guys are incredible. Yeah,
0: once they click for you, it's just like yeah. yeah there's no, there's no going back. Stuff.
2: But yeah. uh, I, I also got a copy then uh, from a mate of mine of Naked, and there's a few tracks on this album which are straight off Naked. Naked, I think, is one possibly their last Talking Heads' last album. But if you listen to tracks like um, um, uh, "It's Not Dark Up Here" and "Gasoline" and, and "Dirty Sheets," they could easily have come off that album. It's, they've got that kind of quirky, funky style that is is quite prevalent. Yeah, and that as album. well
3: it, lyrically, those remind me almost of kind of like folk or country songs. They're just yeah. like little character yeah. sketches or something. They're little vignettes, you know, that like he's writing kind of sitting underneath the porch of a small town <laughs> or something, like just watching what's going on. And obviously the nature of that means that he can kind of quickly move through a series of them without it ever like becoming jarring. It is occasionally jarring this record. Yeah. Either in terms of like little glitchy sounds or as you said with dance like this the kind of whiplash effect of the yeah. first chorus verse. but it, like, it, it, it's very intentional yeah. it reminds me in a way of that Gorillaz album that we talked about last year where it was kind of like the medium is in the message and the chaos is is actually you know you're meant to take it all in with the benefit of understanding like oh yeah things are a little wild here and that's why you need to focus
0: yeah no i think that jarring thing in the opener is actually a great moment and it's a great kind of scene setter it's like okay here's what you know going back to that Well, life's a bit shit or like there's kind of that bubbling undercurrent of darkness when it hits that kind of very jarring um almost abrasive thing after this very nice piano lullaby thing of like the aspirational thing um and yeah it, like he's he's a master at that kind of thing. His voice his voice hasn't really changed all that much. He still has that yeah. kind of almost childlike naivety. There's a bit of kind of uh, like you he can hear a bit of kind of like older fragility at times which just kind of lends emotional heft to it. But he's great at switching between and he's talked before about how he thought in his early life he had um a, a kind of mild form of Asperger's. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you hear on Early Talking Heads records and with a lot of these songs it might put people off as well. It's very much a thing of just like, here's what's going on in the world. I'm at a certain remove. It's almost like an alien thing of just not connecting with emotion. But then when he does introduce some emotion, it's all the more
3: kind of effective. And he's a dab hand at that. Like. Yeah, and...
2: It, that's great analysis there, I have to say. Oh, thanks. There, that
0: is, that's really, really
3: good. <laughs> There's a bit of that on the show in a song called Bullet here, which yes, is yeah. like pretty much the centrepiece of the album, um, seventh track along. And, I mean, it is a strange combination of quite a delicate ballad and really quite poetic lyrics, describing a bullet travelling through someone's body. Brilliant. It, very David Byrne, for a start. And um, yeah, very effective as well, isn't it? Because it is that sort of idea of just um, subverting what you're expecting, I suppose. Yeah. It really but
2: it, s- it, sorry, it is it is pure David Byrne, what you were saying. Yeah. He does come out at a certain Songs and lyrics with uh, quite abstract uh, ways of, of looking at them, and uh, but that's that's the that's the interesting thing uh, about them. We were you going to say something about that song. Sorry?
0: No, just as you say, kind of it's very stripped back. It's like back to basics. It's it's an elemental thing which is very arresting. And also tying in with that, I mean, sonically, as you were saying, there's lots of hooks on this. I mean, it's it's yeah. easy listening. You can really dive in. The songs are very distinctive.
3: I think it's a great collection. Yeah, and finally, I mean, we're suckers for a good closer. And it's got it. The second of yeah. the 106 Point Never collaborations on this here, closing out the album. And it's a song essentially about how the brain
0: works. Yeah, and then it kind of takes off like the synth acceleration. It's almost like high energy 90s
3: dance music to close. <laughs> yeah. It's a great finale, yeah. Well, I mean, again, I suppose it's in keeping with that, that idea of kind of like, you know, throwing the arms in the air at the end. Kind yeah, of like yeah. everything's going to be okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: That huge bit of positivity. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of Everybody's Coming to My House, yeah. which I don't, I don't know if we've, we've mentioned yet. I think yeah. it's the first release. Obviously a play, you would imagine, on LCD Sound Systems. Draft Punk is playing at my house. But uh, first release from the album back in, in January and features Sampha. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah, Fantastic. That's great.
0: I, I think he's like out LCD Sound System to LCD Sound System <laughs> on this because I, I kept comparing it to like the big comeback of American Dream. American artists love putting American in front of their titles, aren't they? That seems to be a thing. Um, But yeah, I just think this is the master. And if we're going ratings, I mean, for me, it's a very strong eight. Yeah, it's yes. an eight out of ten for me as well.
2: W- without wishing to sound like a, a hot press review, I'm going to give it an eight out of ten as well. It's great. <laughs> I, I was mean. I was thrown off by that uh, uh, the the fact that American Utopia, the word American was in the title because initially before you listen to the songs on it, you think, oh, this is going to be some social political commentary on Trump's America, and it's it's nothing to do with that. So he's, he's, I don't know why he, why is the word American in there. He I should just see, he's
3: he's never been overtly political, but I guess it's always with the idea that it's drawing on the sort of state of the world so to speak that is created by the, the yeah. political landscape rather than actually addressing Trump or whatever it may be directly. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I I only learned through researching for this particular album that he's Scottish. Yeah, he's from born born Scotland. I never knew. Yeah. Anyway, go on the Scots. So we we're all agreeing that the 25 male musicians did a good job. <laughs>
0: well done. Well done lads. Oh god, you've got us in
3: trouble now. Songs of the week. Yeah, let's move swiftly onwards here. John, um, since you're the guest, yes. will you pick a number for us, please? Yes. Between one and five. Oh, uh, let's go with uh, t- two. Number two yeah. is a new one from Lost Under Heaven. Their album a couple of years ago was a particular favorite of Dave and Craig. I was a little less convinced, but Bob they're humbles. back. It's a track called The Breath of Life. emotions are me.
0: I wouldn't take his breath if he hadn't
3: dug down and found me. For I'm trying my best to keep and keep up above. And I'll be lying Yeah, Ellery James Roberts and Ebony Horn are Back, uh, lo, or lost under heaven. As I think they've gone with, now, yeah, right? yeah,
2: lo wasn't catching
0: on, no, so they abandoned
3: it no, quite the sensibly. Bad, I think the bad acronym has been kicked to the curb. <laughs>
2: can, yeah. can, can I ask you guys who are? I've never heard of Lost Under Heaven.
3: So Ellery James Robert was uh, the vocalist in Woo Life, yeah. And uh, Ebony Horn is a Dutch artist, I believe,
0: yeah. Who he met at a house party, yeah. I believe their partners in kind of all Yeah, they, of they life. just clicked
3: yeah. in in every sense. It seemed. And two years ago, their album Spiritual Lovers for Songs... Spiritual, Spiritual Songs, Songs for, for Lovers, lovers to, sing. to Sing. What
0: a terrible title. Quite Quite in, try saying that yeah. 10 times quickly.
3: Yeah, I know. Yeah, they came out. Maybe that's why I didn't like them. They came out with Spiritual Songs for Lovers yeah. to Sing by Lu, And I was just like, nah, not a chance. But um, my main issue with that record is that he just gave it socks at yeah. every single turn with every vocal line. And you were just like, dude, you got to calm down sometimes. He has. Yeah. That's Are you
0: kind of are you on I'm, board? I'm, I'm, I'm way more on board with this. Like, yeah. The restraint is great on this because you're waiting for that big eruption. I mean, the, the debut album was like an effort, like a kind of just an exercise in complete maximalism. Yeah. Um, and this holds back and you wait and you wait and you wait and it's actually a frust—it's an enjoyable frustration I think. <laughs>
3: and um, you even get her voice then towards the end Yeah, which- and they combine really they well. They
0: combine gr- great because I think he, as he brings it down a notch there's a bit of vulnerability to his vocals. I think he's matured a bit as a vocalist. it touches sort of like a tender Iggy Pop to me. I mean he's still completely garbling his words which I adore but um, yeah very restraint very cool song for me.
2: I Yeah as I said I'd never heard of these guys whatsoever um, and I love his voice yeah. his voice just draws you in it's full of emotion and you're kind of waiting for something to happen and then towards the end it's nearly like it's this fist thumping part for the, for the last 30 seconds yeah, you it a comes blast. to yeah. a nice little build up towards the end so yeah I'm definitely going to check out the rest of this stuff but this is nice and a really nice song
3: yeah no I really like it like I say I, they always worked for me when the music managed to match him sure which yeah. happened occasionally on that record. Was it Beneath the Concrete? Was it yeah, single? exactly. Yeah, that was a great example of it. If he can move to match the music, then we're talking. Like, <laughs> you know, the, the whole album could be strong. But Craig, give us another number. Uh, number three, please, come. Number three, an unlikely return after some seven, eight years without any new material. It's Shade. Oh, good choice. This one's called Flower of the Universe.
1: They come to see... The fire
3: Right, it's taken from the soundtrack of Ava DuVernay's new Disney film uh, A Wrinkle in Time
0: what do we make of this I mean there's not a lot going on there's nothing it's, going on it's, it's pleasant as it always is which are they um yeah. I mean, I love the vocal just because of that sound. but yeah. In terms of the melody, or I can't, re- I couldn't hum it like right now. <laughs> yeah,
2: it's a, bit, it's a bit sentimental. Let's be honest. Uh, Shadé's vocals are absolutely incredible. But you know, when you're two or three minutes into the song, you want a little bit more than just her singing over some basic acoustic guitar with a few oohs and ahs in the, in the background. This is her first release in eight years. Yeah. First piece of new music. It's not going to set the world on fire, is it?
3: No, I don't think so. I I mean, like we always say it when we're talking about soundtracks. And when it's a soundtrack to a Disney movie especially, like you're just not sure what you're analysing here, what this was meant to be, so to speak. But certainly, yeah, the kind of soulful, seductive Shade that your mammy's probably listened to. I mean, this isn't it.
0: No, and like it comes with a remix by No ID. And No ID was very excited to get this kind of new Shade music out there. The remix is a very... I mean, it's it's a pointless beat, really. Just throw a few drums on it, yeah. He? It's yeah. not, but what it speaks to is how big a figure Shade is in terms of, I think, the hip hop community. And she's really, but Drake has said before that the two most important women in his life are his mother and Shade. I believe he has a tattoo of her face. So, um, it, whether this paves the way for a bunch of collaborations, that could be an interesting route she goes. The likes of Drake, I'm sure he's, he's clamoring for something like that. Um, It's as you say, it's very hard to know where she goes from here off the back of this, but it is like judging by her previous form and length of time between albums, it's round about that time you know she'd be hitting the studio again. The the greatest hits
2: to her is on the way, but it's a good reminder, Craig, of of, you know the talent that she is and the fact that she sold over, I think, 50 million albums. And yeah, you know, going back to 1984, Smooth Operator, No Ordinary Love amazing, amazing songs. And you know, this could be just a reminder that... You know, we're, we're talking about acts that aren't making money from touring anymore. Shadow would easily be... Oh, a yes.
3: huge money maker. But she, she did. She went on tour a few years ago and it was absolutely huge. Like She made silly money off it. Yeah. And actually, funnily enough, uh, following up on your David Berry, it wasn't until this week that I realised that Shaday's from Essex.
0: Yes. Uh, yeah, you don't think
3: of Shadow being from Essex. Yeah. yeah that's
0: too, too exotic. Um. There you go.
3: <laughs> anyway, uh, another number. We've got one, four and five left. I go with number one. Number one is Anderson Pack, who returns with Till It's Over. Yeah, a few years ago, we called him the man with the Midas Touch. I think that was when he was ma- able to even make a uh, Mac Miller song sound good. Uh, <laughs> he then uh, turned his stuff to No Worries. Now uh, it's back in his own guise. Uh, this dropped this week. Uh, another soundtrack, although a strange one at that. He's selling it's for, Apple products. Yeah, <laughs> it's for an Apple ad. Uh, apparently a Spike Jones directed ad we will see uh, FKA Twigs come home after... Long day in the office, presumably, yeah. and ask Siri to play something she'll like, and this is what she gets. And that's pretty good, right? It's really good, yeah. I'd Definitely be, ver- I'd be, I'd be very happy if my magical music <laughs> assistant threw that on when I got home. Yeah,
2: absolutely. It's brilliant. It's great. It's
0: brilliant. Great tune. It feels yeah. like he's, like, uh, the kind of stage is set for him to become massive now, I think. He was on the Black Panther soundtrack, um... I mean, we've been adoring his work for a long time, as you're saying, Colm, and yeah, this feels very fresh. If Like, he's had a kind of, he's paused for a minute and he's regrouped, and I think that was a good kind of breather, um... Since that Now he's record, this is very different. It kind of reminds me of Venice, the album before Malibu, uh. that electronic thing. It's actually, it's produced by Jeff Kleinman and Michael Uzawuru. I yeah. believe that's how you pronounce it. Who did Chanel last year. Yeah, he did Chanel. He did Nights, a lot of right. Frank stuff. He's worked with Vic Mensa, Vince Staples. And this guy's a bit of a genius because the production's amazing. Yeah, the, so the, yeah, look out for him. The production
3: yeah. is fantastic because, like... I, I mean, this has the Anderson pack kind of like keyboards and synths, which I think he does better than most people out there right now. There are very few people who can hold a candle. But yeah, the the, the actual sort of like little glitches every now and then, the beat, like definitely add to the whole narrative really. Like there, there's a definite frank edge to the sort of melancholy space, of the...
0: Yeah, it's like melancholy in space. Kind yeah, of, thing. The, <laughs> of the doomed relationship, yeah.
3: although albeit with the far more um, clear sort of message of you know enjoy it while you can yeah it's,
0: it's pretty much a Netflix and chill and then panic about your relationship song
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm a huge fan of, of this song uh, I absolutely love Anderson Pack as well I, I, I adored his album uh, Malibu and uh, particularly when you, you think he's, he's a new album on the way and reports that Dr. Dre has played a big role um, in creating some of the songs on it excellent he, yeah, should, yeah
3: yeah, should be, should be fun because his contributions to Compton as well I mean they, oh, they clearly yeah. they work well yeah, so. I'm getting excited now. <laughs> <I can laughs> you have see, another number. I will can we? see it in <laughs> your face. Yeah, one or five. I <laughs> sorry, 4 or 5. I'm going to go for 4, please. 4. Alright, deep breath, column. Here come DJ Khaled, Beyoncé, Jay-Z and Future. It's mm-hmm. called Top Off. Mm-hmm. Oh, I said it's about the maybach. Oh,
0: I said it's about the maybach. Yeah, I said it's about the maybach. Yeah, I, see the the maybach. Yeah. I need to pull over here me. Woo! Ain't gonna stop.
1: I see the purple behind me, ain't gon' stop I see the purple behind me, ain't gon' stop I jack the top of the Maybach, fuck these cops V12, C12, I do the whole dash with no seatbelt free, my Meek can't in world. Meanwhile, Georgie you him and sending me threats. Save your breath, you couldn't beat a Try that with a grown man.
3: Okay, I believe it's the first uh, song of the week that we've ever had that is mainly built around car modification. Um <laughs> DJ Khaled seems to build the guest list of his songs like you would do SEO for an online article. Just let's get them hits, baby. Uh three of the biggest names in hip-hop together yeah. on this one. Does it pay off, John? No, absolutely not. <laughs> not,
2: not at all. Not at all. Uh, this is the first time that I, I'd ever heard of DJ Khaled's uh, the name, or indeed his music. I, I must say, this is the the type of horseshit music that when I heard it, I was like, "What is this? This is awful!" And I gave it another minute. Like, this is uh, it, it's a type of music that made me want to throw the speakers out, out the window. <laughs> it's annoying. It's overproduced, repetitive. Shite, uh, outdated music. I, I presume made for commercials and teenagers. <laughs> I, if this is if this is popular music, then you know I'm <laughs> I'm out. I'm out. Count well, me count me out. Yeah, well, it's awful.
0: It it sounds like popular music from about five years ago. <laughs> I mean, this is just like a Bugatti type song, isn't it? It sounds really dated, even though it's a sound that isn't really that old. But it just sounds like if I arrived a few years ago, it might have been a bigger deal. And the production, yeah, it's so overworked. I mean, DJ Khaled's productions. Never been a huge fan, but it sounds like the intro is you know when you click on a, a link to it, you hope you're getting a proper song and it's just like some world star hip hop like, oh, yeah. bedroom producer with them shouting over it. That's this song. Yeah. Except Beyonce and Jay-Z and future are on it. Well no, I mean like
3: future <laughs> Definitely doesn't help that because <laughs> why is he phoning
0: it in? <laughs> I, I love Future so much that I'll let him away with it, but yeah, you could have just like copied and pasted his vocals from a bunch of other songs on. Yeah, it's
3: like he's just doing his, like, his thing, like he's doing nothing. And Jay Z, like, he's, he's okay, having he's, a mayor he's, again. He's I'm not,
0: sorry, he's not doing much better. He's, he's way off the beat. He's doing that thing where he comes in and he, it's like he has to psych himself up for it. He's not finishing his lines. It reminds me of his, his start
3: of biking, that Frank Ocean feature, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: which is just like, really? <laughs> really, JC?
3: Um, Does Beyonce redeem things a little bit towards the end? The talki- a little bit. Yeah, yeah. The, a little bit. The talking point seems to have been Beyonce killed it. And do you know what? She's not even that good. You know what? She's the best of them. Yeah, know. like she's the best of a bad bunch. You're yeah. dead right there. Uh, I thought, I thought she did well enough. Um, but the other thing as well I think, and it's same with like you know when Rihanna popped up on that first single from the N.A.R.D. album yeah. you're just like it's been a while since I've heard this and it's really fun to actually hear her doing this again because there's a moment as well about 16 bars in where she like just drifts into this snarl and you're just like oh I forgot she could do this a little bit yeah you know? yeah yeah
0: Now there's definitely definitely fun to be had now where there's like just this really kind of trashy like swag rap beat that's disposable I'd I'd actually love her to do a full album with like Future and Young Tug, and just get rid of Khaled and Jay Z, because I would love her to try and do that style. Cover even an EP is that too much to ask?
3: <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. I'll I'll have a quiet word with yeah. her later. Uh, Khaled, by the way, uh, not <laughs> want to dwell on things. Um, had a new song out with Demi Lovato three days oh, later, so Jeez. you know his his campaign continues unabashed. <laughs> We've got one last tune this week. At churches. Uh, with the second single from their album This one featuring Matt Berninger of The National It's called My Enemy And you could
1: be my remedy If you could show me love If I could stop
3: remembering All the time that you has No more time to who you think All right, John. You were the one who wanted this song yeah, on the I, list.
2: I, I chose this. I, I actually saw a church's uh, live before a couple of years ago. I think it was at Longitude, and I thought they were pretty crap. There was, you know, they were nice, but there was no real—I don't know—there was no real edge to, to their set whatsoever. But I chose this because I'm, I'm a big fan of the National and Matt Berninger in, in particular, um, and I thought, you know what? This this combination might work work well together. Um, I forgot though that Matt Berninger can can bring any happy song down to downtown as as quick as possible. It, you know the, the national of course may quite depressing music, but I re, I really like this. Um, I thought it, as I said it was a, a good combination. I like the refrain. If if you could be the the remedy. Um, yeah, I, I honestly, but I I could listen to his, his vocals probably all day. So that was my reason for choosing it. Did I, did I make a good choice? Do you know what? I think... I don't think they make the
0: best use of him on this. Like, it's okay. a it's a nice song, but it's kind of... It's, it's in six every too high. Yeah, I was going to say, it's in a weird range for him. Like, yeah. it's just not... Do his thing. Like, use his kind
3: of trademark. I don't think he's dour enough on this. <laughs> I fully the, yeah. agree. And you know, it's funny because just like you said, when I saw this on paper, I was like, this could be a perfect match because my issue with the First Church's single with Lauren Mayberry in general is that she's... Just it's it's all very clean and it's all very proper and you know she she's a school choir girl or something you know and I was like what better way to have like what better foil could you have yeah. than the gruff <laughs> worldly you, you won't believe the things I've seen sort of laboured delivery of Matt Berninger and you're like those two together could be perfect yeah except instead they've managed to take some of the edge off them they have and so that. Counterbalance doesn't quite work as maybe it should. And
0: churches have talked about, like,
3: they were basically saying, well,
0: I will ask him. He'll probably say no. And then he just did it in a day from his, like, from his gaff. So there was no real. And I'm I'm, I'm guessing most collaborations are now done like that. But it does feel like maybe a person-to-person meet-up might have been beneficial here.
3: Well, I mean, the one thing that struck in my mind after a couple of listens to this is that it sounds to me like a poor version of, like, an XX song. Where you know, like maybe the musical invention of Jamie xx isn't quite there, and neither is the chemistry between the two vocalists. Yeah, like it's it's not it's not bad, and certainly it's not terrible. But I feel as though the waste of Matt Berninger and what could have been is kind of what sticks in the craw here. I
2: think that's I think his vocals are like that's what he does. I mean, if you listen to majority of the the last two or three national albums, that's the way he sings. Like he's He's not overly diverse, I guess, in in his his vocal range at all. So I think this is Matt Berninger doing what he he does best. Like I said, I
3: think drop the key and just just make him sound a bit more battered and bruised or something. A few more whiskeys. That's what he needed.
2: (laughs) It's funny that we're saying he's, he's quite a... Depressing person in t- in terms of his, his vocals, but it, I, I was reading during the week that he's making a TV show about himself. we yeah, were read, disgusted read, you read this? on this yeah. very did podcast. It, we do. it okay. seems a bizarre one. It's it? a comedy. It's supposed to be a comedy. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're yeah. they're hoping it's going to be a comedy, but it might turn out to be something. Well, else. he is
3: he is a funny dude. Yeah. To be fair, yeah. It like yeah. 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 Did you see
2: the documentary "Mistaken for Strangers"?
3: Yeah, did yeah. I loved it. It's really good. It's yeah. really good. Yeah. 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 Really witty. And uh, yeah, and I've I've had a chance to interview the bloke as well. And, Have you uh, really? What's yeah, he like? like I say, like he's got a good personality. Like he's funny. He's properly funny. Yeah. And actually, I was talking to him during the Elvoy project that he was doing, and that was definitely a chance to kind of let the let the free let him kind of go free a little bit to be perfectly honest and 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 show his humorous side rather than the the more hu- or more serious uh, national business on the day today. So um yeah, like I mean I'm I'm not going to guess what this show is going to turn out like cuz god fucking knows but hopefully it'll be okay. Yeah. I yeah. mean, he knows
0: what he's doing.
3: Um, probably doesn't belong <laughs> Again, in the TV track. shows. Does he? No, of course not, <laughs> yeah, but uh collaborations Yeah, we live in hope. I
0: do actually think it's an okay song. I but I yeah. think Lauren kind of her, that hook is what carries it for me, me yeah. her performance, but it's just too disjointed between the two of them. Yeah. Um. John, you brought this in. Any other stuff you've been listening
2: to the past week or so? Well, I have to confess that I, I listen to a lot of Irish music mm, and course. mostly, I'd, I'd say, 99% Irish music. So um, the new David Kidd album is out, I guess, Friday. Now, uh, now yeah. right so now. It's out, it's out right now. It's called Use, which is a, a lovely, obviously... Uh, uh, Dublin uh, term. It's his first solo album since 2009, and I, I, gotcha. I was I was chatting to him last week. Obviously, he's up for the Choice Music Prize this year. He could be the winner. We don't know that yet mm. uh, for, for his album with New Jackson from Night to Night. And it's funny because he, he has said that he's met um, fans of his who are like teenagers, early twenties, and they just know him as this electronic dude. Look at this guy, like sure. you know, and they've they've realised, oh my god, you know, you actually. Wrote other uh, styles of music when you yeah. when you were when you, you know go, if you go back twenty years, uh, and we would obviously know just David Kit for probably being David Kitt So this new album of his, um, it's 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 more or less David Kit going back to two thousand and nine. Like there's nothing really new, but if you're a fan of David Kitt then you will absolutely love this album. Um, I think he's great. I, I think he's fantastic. Yeah. But,
3: well, to be perfectly honest, I, I like yeah, I do. I think he's fantastic. You did upset me when you just said going back twenty years, yeah, and I've realised that. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, was like I'm trying to do it in my head now. Was the big romance like was that 2001 Two, and, and one? one, and I think is
2: seventeen. Years. Well, eighteen years. Yeah, I went bit, to see
3: yeah. him play on that tour. Yeah, yeah. God, yeah. in my defence, I was like 13, but still, I'm not happy with this. Yeah. I, I, I love the way, though, he's... Let's do a bit of that album, by the way. It's great. Well, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, it's really, yeah. really, really I'm a, really a good. sucker
0: for his voice. He, like, he, yeah,
2: He he, mm-hmm. he has on his uh, There Will Always Be This Love, which yes. is one of my favourite songs from last year. As He like, he, he obviously produced it as, as New Jackson. It's completely different as a, an electronic song, but uh, the acoustic version is absolutely beautiful, um, and it's got a great message behind it.
3: So, yeah. Um... Nudes is the new album from Lucius. Uh, oh, yes. Yeah, it's strange because their last album was like this 80s synth pop party record, basically, and I really liked it. And then to say that the stripped-back acoustic album was coming next, I suppose maybe they were taking a leaf out, leaf out of Kitzer's <laughs> book. Who knows? Um, it's a little bit different. Again, it... And again, you know, it has some originals. It has a couple of covers of uh, different people's music and it has a few of their own tracks as well, kind of reworked. Some of them are interesting interpretations or reinterpretations. Um, Something About You sounds great. Um, some just kind of like sound like substandard live versions. Um, version of Tame Pala's eventually sounds fantastic. And yeah, I mean, it's worth listening to. It's a good way of showing off their voices. I hadn't realised, but both are kind of like Berkeley trained vocalists. Oh really? Yeah. So, you know, and that obviously doesn't always come through when you're when they're doing their usual thing. Yeah. So I suppose in that respect it's a good showcase. Um yeah, it's all right but Yeah, yeah, I'd rather the regular stuff, I'll be honest I've just been listening to old stuff
0: I went down a David Byrne rabbit hole I will recommend to everyone uh, My Life in the Bush of Ghosts Which was that 80s collaboration with Brian Eno It's kind of real It's a lot of sampling, kind of world music type stuff That was very innovative back then But I, I was listening to it a lot this week
3: And it still sounds really fresh and out there It's cool Uh, Just before we go, a a quick word that yesterday at this stage, uh, a special podcast will have dropped to celebrate International Women's Day. Uh, Andrea Cleary, editor of Headstuff's music section, uh, hooked up with some uh, journalists, musicians and other individuals within the Irish music scene. Uh, Check that out. It is on headstuff.org right now.
2: Can I just jump in as well, just before we go? There's a Chancer, our four-piece instr- instrumental band. They have a new EP out today. Uh, the launch of it is tonight in the in the Workman's Club. They are absolutely brilliant. This is uh, a, a new music project from Dave Newell, who's been in Punchface Champions and Not Monsters, and Dara, Dara Walsh, who is in Val Normal. Check yeah. them
3: out. They're great. All righty. I think that's just about it for this yeah, week. It's been a blast. Thanks, John, guys. thank you that's so great. much for being here. It was, was nice Craig having Colin, a proper
0: host. It's, it was I like know, the, right? Yeah, it was like the co- kind of post-Angus Dayton have I got news for you? year. So <laughs> that's like, that's what I have, felt yeah. like a
3: little without the right. cocaine and prostitutes. And next week, <laughs> yeah, <it's, laughs> yes. Thanks, but speaking Craig. of cocaine and prostitutes, Dave will be back next week. Yeah. Now, take us home, John.
2: <laughs> we are going to finish off uh, this week's No Encore, which is, of course, the 103rd edition of No Encore with a track from Zombie Picnic. How many times have I said that? A track from Zombie Picnic, who are a prog post-rock instrumental outfit from the wilds of Limerick. The wilds of Limerick? Who wrote this? Their sophomore album, Rise of a New Ideology, is out now as of this podcast dropping. So go and download it via the Zombie Picnic Bandcamp or grab the limited edition 12-inch vinyl at your local record store. Why not? This is Zombie Picnic. With anger and storage, denial will follow.
0: This has been a production of the Head Stuff Podcast Network.
1: The been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal.
3: There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's.
1: Right now, get two
0: of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I am a hydrated girly.